I believe today's message could have tremendous impact on hundreds of lives today. It was a message similar to this that God did in me my sophomore year of college in the early 80s here at Georgia that literally changed the trajectory of my life, my direction, my career choice. Why would somebody leave the United States to go and share the good news with people in another country? Why would people sacrifice time, energy, and money even here to seek to influence other cultures and people with the gospel of Jesus? Is it not intrusive or even rude to go to places where they are not Christians and try to convert them to Christianity? Well, today we're going to answer the question, why go? As we began our missions conference, but as I was thinking about the scriptures that we are in in 2 Peter 1, we'll dismiss our children in a minute, but I want them to be a part of our scripture reading today. We, last week we learned about the truths of our salvation, that we have everything pertaining to life and godliness, that we've been given a new nature, that we have the divine nature living in us. And that's all what happens at justification salvation. And then immediately he moves into things that are true of sanctification salvation. That's the ongoing growth and process and maturity as believers. And as I was looking at the next section, I went, man, this is so related to the topic of mission. So I'm going to touch on 2 Peter 1, 5 to 11. And then I will answer the question today, why go? And then I'm going to give you some practical ways to go. So let's turn to 2 Peter chapter 1. And I love it when this happens. I love it when... Just our natural study of God's Word, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, just lands on things that apply to exactly where we are as a church. I mean, I could have said, okay, I'm going to put Second Peter aside. we got to go to, to a message on missions. But then I looked at it and I went, this, this, this has a, an enormous amount to do with missions. So let's stand as I read Second Peter 1, 5 to 11. Then we'll dismiss our children. Again, remember, this is flowing out of all that we learned last week, all these amazing truths of what we have and who we have in us because of justification. Verse 5, for this very reason, make every effort. Beloved, it takes effort to grow. You don't grow by sitting on your duff and doing nothing. It takes effort. It's this partnership between us and God. We have a part. God has a part. Make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with what? Love. And the greatest of these is? For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, one thing to have it, it's another to have it increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you realize that some people can be ineffective and unfruitful? I don't know about you. I don't want to be ineffective. I don't want to be unfruitful. I want to be as effective and as fruitful for the glory of God as possible. How about you? For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers... Be all the more diligent. That's effort, right? Be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. <laughs> There's a great verse on 
predestination and free will, election and man's part and God's part. Be, be, be diligent, that's your part, to confirm your calling, that's your part, and election, that's God's part. <laughs> For if you practice these qualities, you'll never fall. For in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, I pray now that you would do in this time even just a little, just a portion of what you did in my heart my sophomore year of college. I pray that we would gain a greater sense of your heart today, God. That, that our heart would, would expand a little more with your heart. That it would beat a little more consistent with your heart. God, that we would see the nations as you see them. And we thank you, God, for the privilege we have to be a part of your world mission. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. All right, you can be seated. Children that wish to go to children's church, you're dismissed out that exit. So I want to just touch on a few things in this passage. First of all, look at this phrase, make every effort to supplement your faith. So as we grow from justification, salvation, into sanctification, salvation, it takes effort. It takes us being disciplined. It takes us seeking God. It takes us obeying God. And then he gives these, these list of qualities that should be a part of our lives. And, and I believe, and most scholars believe, that this is like a stair step of, 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 of um, qualities that we should have in our life. And so your homework is to take these and meditate on this as to why one goes from the other to the next to the next. I have a whole message on that, but we don't have time for it today. Why is virtue next and knowledge next and self-control next? But what I want to highlight here is that the ultimate goal is what? Is at the very top. Love. The greatest of these is love. Jesus said, they'll know you're my disciples by the love you have for one another. So, what have we always said is the best and most biblical definition of love? Doing the highest good for another regardless of the cost to self. That definition will, will help you in understanding love no matter what situation you're in. Jesus said, greater love hath no man than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. Jesus did what was the highest good for us by dying on the cross. The highest good for us was to be forgiven of our sins. Jesus did that which was the highest good for us, even though it cost him enormously. Hey, how does this apply to missions? The greatest way you and I can love another person is to help them know Jesus. Because the greatest need in people is their separation from God due to sin. So the greatest way we can love the nations is help them come to know Jesus. Because that's the only way to be forgiven of sins and have eternal life. So the greatest way to love other people is to share the good news of salvation with them. Next phrase. Talks about not being ineffective or unfruitful. In other words, God wants you to be effective and fruitful. John 15, he says, I want you to bear much fruit. Not just a little fruit. God wants you and I to bear much fruit. I don't know about you, I want to bear much fruit for the glory of God. I don't want my life to be a waste. I don't want my life to be filled with things that have no eternal value. I don't care how big of a house I live in or whether I can buy a second home or have a great retirement or have a boat or a car or three cars or a hundred cars. All of that is going to burn. I want to give my life for what lasts for eternity. 
I want to be fruitful for the glory of God. So when we talk about fruit, what are we talking about? Two types of fruits the Bible speaks of. There's the fruit of the Spirit. That's your character. And that, that will be rewarded in heaven. Your character, your godliness will be rewarded in heaven. But there's another kind of fruit that we're going to focus on more today, and that's the fruit of your influence on others. That's leading people to Christ. That's discipling people. That's helping people grow. And so it says in the next phrase that if you are fruitful, you'll be richly blessed with an, with a, with an entrance into the eternal kingdom, richly provided for you an entrance. By the way, that phrase was used of welcoming athletes back after they had won something in the Olympics. You think about people that come back from the Olympics today and they have a gold medal, and that town does a huge parade and welcomes them back with all kinds of enthusiasm. That's what we're talking about. So what is this, how does this relate to us? Look at what it says. If you and I are fruitful for the glory of God, we will be provided a rich, glorious entrance into heaven. This implies that some will not get that. Some will not be provided a rich, glorious entrance into heaven. They'll get to heaven, but like 1 Corinthians 3 talks about, all their works are burned up, and so it really doesn't matter. They got there, but they had nothing that was rewarded. I don't know about you, I want a rich welcome. And I believe when we are a part of reaching the nations for God, there will be people in heaven, I've said this before, and I believe it's supported by this verse, Thank you for the part you played in bringing me to Christ. Thank you for the gifts you gave that helped me come to know Jesus. Thank you for leading me to Christ and discipling me. And, and the, the richer your welcome into heaven will be determined partly by the people you and I have influenced for God. That's what I believe this teaches. So I want to give you four reasons today why we are to do missions. And when we talk about missions, we're talking about Helping others know Jesus, especially those in places that are beyond our home and culture. And the first reason, and it's the most important reason, it's the glory of God. It's for His glory. It's so that His name and His fame is known throughout the world. From Genesis to Revelation, the message of the Bible is that all people would have access to the glorious good news of Jesus. The message from Genesis to Revelation. You say, well, why did God have a, a people distinct like the Israelites? He wanted a bride, but he always told the nation of Israel, you are to be a light to the Gentiles. And when he called Abraham in Genesis 12, he says, I'm going to bless you, but I'm going to make you a nation that blesses all nations. In Habakkuk chapter 2, it talks about let the knowledge of the glory of God fill the earth like the water fills the ocean. God is desirous as a loving father to have as many children in his family as possible. This is why in Timothy he says he desires no one to perish, but all to come to repentance. As a good shepherd, he wants more in his fold. This is why Jesus said, I have sheep that are not of this fold, and I want to welcome them in. This is why in John 17, Jesus, when he was praying, he said, I not only pray for you, but for those who will believe in me through your message. The glory of God is the nature of God. It's the attributes of God. It's the brilliance of God. And that's why in Revelation chapter 5, it says before the throne of God, there will be people of every tribe, nation, tongue, and people. And we have the privilege, beloved, to be a part of bringing in those people from every tribe, nation, tongue, and people. The number one reason 
that we are to do missions is for the glory, the fame, and the name of God throughout the entire earth. So then why do more people not follow him? If it's his desire that all people come to know him, and he says, I'm not slow about my promises as some count slowness, but I desire all to come to repentance. Then why are there so many today who are not following Jesus? The second reason to do missions is the need of people. And that ultimate need is called sin. The Bible says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And that sin separates us from God. And that sin keeps us from a relationship with God. Isaiah 59 says, The arm of the Lord is not so short that it cannot save. The ear of the Lord is not so dull that he cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated you from your God. And whether that's the sin of commission or the sin of omission, whether that's the sin in thought, word, or deed, it's all separates us from God because God is holy and he cannot tolerate sin. Beloved, there is a virus prevalent throughout the world today that is far more deadly and far more contagious than COVID. It infects every person on the planet. It's called sin. And that virus is sapping people of a relationship with God. We, like the prodigal son, we go our own way. We say, I'm going to do it my way. I don't want to do it your way, God. I think I know better. How foolish are we to go our own way and rebel against the very God who loves us and created us and has a good and acceptable and perfect will for us. How it must break the heart of God that so many refuse to turn to Him. That so many go their own way and do their own thing and ignore Him. And they sin and they are separated from Him. But there's also the need of people, not only due to sin, but due to not having access to the gospel. And this is why we try to bring attention regularly. So watch me as I go to the 1040 window over here and explain it to you. That this is part of the world that it has the greatest needs today. We highlight this in the room here to bring attention on a regular basis to where in the world there are the greatest needs. It's 10 degrees and 40 degrees from the equator. This is the part of the world that has the least access to the gospel today. There are over 3,000, I'm sorry, there are over 6,000 people groups what's called the unreached people groups. An unreached people group is a group of people that have enough of a uniqueness about their culture or their language, and unreached means they virtually have little to no access to the gospel. Many of these unreached people groups, there's not even a known believer, or if there is, there's so few, that if a person wanted to be saved, they can't just go down the road like we can and find a church that hopefully preaches the gospel. Unfortunately, many do not today, even in this country. But these are the places in the world where there's the greatest needs. Two-thirds of the world lives in the 1040 window. And yet 69% of those in the 1040 window are part of what is called an unreached people group. That should break our heart. That should move us. It is so important as, as, as North American Christians that we not become so focused on just our country. Are there needs in America? Absolutely. Am I greatly burdened for the direction of this country? Absolutely. This country is headed south, and that ain't called Georgia. It's headed south in terms of morality, in terms of, of all kinds of stuff. So, yes. I am deeply burdened and concerned about America, and we should be. At the same time, we should never lose sight of what God sees. And God doesn't just see Athens. God doesn't just see Georgia. 
God sees the world. He so loved the world that he gave his only son. And so I love that missiologists now are are bringing these kind of things to our attention so that we're, we're more aware of what's going on in the world and where some of the needs are the greatest. This is why, beloved, we are a tithing church. 10% of what is given to Living Hope, we devote to ministries outside of our church. 50% of that tithe money goes to world missions. 25% to locally outreach and 25% to benevolence. Of that 50% that goes to world missions, we have a policy where we want 60% of that giving to go to the 1040 window because we want to give our resources where the needs are the greatest. I went on a missions trip my sophomore year of college with Campus Crusade, now called Crew. I raised over $4,000 in the early 80s. That was a lot of money. It still is. Spent seven weeks in Japan, one week in Hong Kong, and another week in China. And in that trip, God began to open my eyes to the needs of the world. I began to see way beyond what was just in front of me. And so if we talk about the needs of people, we're talking about sin that separates from God, but we're also talking about the needs in terms of where is there the greatest needs in the world for the gospel. The third reason that we are to go is called the solution of Jesus. The good news of the gospel So, beloved, think with me again. The virus of sin, far more contagious, far more deadly than COVID. There is one vaccine, and only one, that is 100% efficacious. It will heal this virus 100% of the time, but you must take the vaccine. We're not going to mandate it like the government's trying to do in this country. We're going to say it's your free choice because God is a God of love, and he gives you that ability to make a free choice. He would love to mandate it, but he doesn't because his own nature of love would prohibit him from doing so. Love always gives the other the free choice to make that decision. And there is a vaccine It's 100% powerful to remove the the, the virus of sin. And it's the vaccine of the blood of Jesus Christ. For in 1 Peter 3.18, it says, He died for sins, the just for the unjust, in order that He might bring us to God. And And because of this, Hebrews 9 and 22 says, Without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness. God provides one solution, and it's the blood of His Son. It's the only solution that will remove the virus of sin. Your good works cannot remove the virus of sin. Religion can't remove the virus of sin. Only the blood of Jesus Christ. This is why Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. This is why Acts 4 and 12 says, There's no other name given among men whereby we must be saved than the name of Jesus. This is why 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5 says there's one God and one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. I know people today, oh, they want to believe that all roads lead to God. People today want to say all religions are equal. As long as you're sincere, God will accept you in. That's not what the Bible says. There is only one solution for sin, and it's the, the blood of Jesus Christ. And we have, we have that solution. Think today if there was a vaccine that cured the world of COVID. And and you had that in your possession. And you were the only one in the world who had it. Would you keep it to yourself? 
Not in a million years. You'd shout it from the housetops. You'd get on CNN and Fox and every newscast you could. And you'd say, I have the answer. I have the solution. I have the remedy for this problem that is worldwide. Beloved, we have that in the gospel of Jesus Christ. How can we keep it to ourselves? And so the third reason why we go is because of the solution of Jesus. Fourthly, we've been given a command called the Great Commission. I'd like you to turn to Matthew chapter 28. I was stunned recently when I saw a statistic from the Barna Institute at the number of Bible-believing Christians that did not even know what the Great Commission was. Well, that better not be you today after you leave here. The Great Commission is found in Matthew 28, 18 to 20. It was one of the last words of Jesus that he spoke to his disciples. It's relevant for us today. It's the Great Commission. We have been commissioned by our Commander-in-Chief Jesus to go into all the world. It's not the great suggestion. Hello. It's not the great suggestion. It's not if it becomes convenient for you. It's not, oh, if you get around and feel like it. Oh, it's not just if you have the gift of evangelism. This is for every believer. Now, we, we, we may obey this in different ways. You may not be wired to be out on the street on Friday night with the Sopletas and our outreach team and doing what they do on Friday nights with the whiteboard. I think it's awesome. If you want some real action... If, you, if you're kind of a little comfortable with your Friday night activities, head on out there to downtown Athens on a Friday night and join our outreach team, and I guarantee, I guarantee, you will have an experience that will fire you up and excite you. Now, you just may want to sit back and watch, and that's okay, because we need the intercessors. You may just want to sit back and begin to intercede in the Spirit for what's going on. I love those pictures that were posted on our Facebook page, that team out there. I love it, I love it, I love it. And I'm telling you, there were all these people gathered around that whiteboard. It was amazing. Go to our Facebook page and look at that. And look at all those people. I mean, listen, some of those girls need to wear more clothes. I'm telling you what. I'm just astounded at what these college girls do now in terms of what they wear or don't wear. I mean, they're dressed like they're just selling themselves. It's sad. But it was awesome because they're gathered around the whiteboard and they're interacting. And maybe they'll get saved. And put some more clothes on. All right, so the, the fourth reason that we are to, to go is called the Great Commission. Here it is, Matthew 28, verse 18. Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, not just America, all nations. I leave a week from today to go to Uganda and Ethiopia. This will be my 11, 12th trip covering 16 different countries that I've had the privilege of going to because I believe in this passage. I believe in this, that we are to do this. Now, we'll do it different. We'll get to that in a minute with some practical ways. But he says to go and make disciples of all nations. Now go to Acts chapter 1, verse 8. You have a red-letter Bible? This is in the red as well. Jesus, one of the, another one of Jesus' last statements. What a person says just before they die or leave is always significant. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, you shall receive power. Aren't you glad that we're given the power to do what we're commissioned to do? You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses. See, we are his hands and feet. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5 that we are ambassadors, as though God were entreating through us. Now, sometimes God bypasses us, gives dreams, visions, prophecies, and other things to bring people to Christ, but his normal MO is to use his bride, his people, his body, to bring the good news to others. He says, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you, and you will be my witnesses. Literally, the word there means martyr. 
in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So you look at this diagram here of Acts 1-8, it's to always be moving out. You're to be my witnesses, living hope, in Athens, in Clark County, in Oconee County, in Georgia, in the United States, but also in South America, and Africa, and Asia, and the Middle East, and all that we see in that beautiful map over there. Beloved, we've been given a command by our commander-in-chief, Jesus, to go. What a responsibility we have to be his hands and feet, but also what a great privilege. It's a great privilege to be part of his global and eternal plan of redemption to every tribe, nation, tongue, and people. Beloved, this applies to every follower of Jesus. No one's excluded. I remember when I went on my first missions trip to Japan, Hong Kong, and China. In Japan, we spent seven weeks befriending Japanese students. We had an invitation by the English-speaking clubs. They were learning English, so we were there to help them learn their English, but we were also there to develop relationships and share the gospel. And then we went to Hong Kong and China, and because China was closed then and it's closed now, we couldn't go over there and do the kind of ministry we did in Japan. But they all brought us into a small room, and they said, we have a box here of gospel tracts in Chinese and a, and, a, and, a, and a box of Chinese Bibles. You can take two of each. You cannot offer to give them to anybody. But if somebody asks you for one, then you can give it to them. Man, I grabbed two of each. Eight days in China, last day, we were gonna, the day before we were going to leave, I had not had an opportunity to give either one of them to anybody. And I said, I'm not bringing those home and putting them on my shelf as some souvenir to impress people. What good is that? I want that they're written in Chinese. I need to leave them there. So I woke up at 4 a.m. the day we were leaving, and I wrapped each in a little plastic bag. And I went on a jog at 4 a.m. I took one of those Bibles, felt led of the Holy Spirit. I threw it in a rice field. I cannot wait to get to heaven and see what God did. I am absolutely 1,000% convinced that a rice farmer came by maybe the day or the next day and grabbed that Bible. And he, either he was already saved and needed a Bible, or he wasn't saved, read that Bible and got saved, and I believe probably started copying pages out of that Bible, tearing them out and giving them to people, because that's what they do in China. They'll copy a page, they'll tear it out of the Bible, they'll give it to a believer, and it just spreads. The Word of God, whether they have one page or three pages of the whole Bible, they want every bit of God's Word they can get. Then, it was just beginning to get daylight. And I saw this road where there were some pipes that were going to be laid later by some construction workers. And I said, oh, this is what I'm going to do with the next one. I took that next Bible in a little plastic bag, and I ran up that road, and I placed it in one of those pipes. I went running about another 30 minutes, came back, and when I came back, there was a construction worker that had already found that Bible that I had put in that pipe. I cannot wait to get to heaven and see what God did through his inerrant, infallible word that says it will not return void. Hallelujah. And what a privilege, you guys. God wants your life to be an adventure. God doesn't want you to be bored and satisfied and complacent. He wants our lives to be an adventure. Live full for His glory to help reach the nations. So maybe you're listening to this and you're saying, I'm a little overwhelmed, Pastor. I can't do those cool things that you've talked about, and my book hasn't been translated into other languages, and I don't get an invitation to go to Uganda and Ethiopia, and, and it's just not even practical that I could ever leave this country and go to another country. You might not think it is. Listen, I just heard a statistic about baby boomers. 
the number of baby boomers that are now entering retirement and for the most part are very financially secure. Do they want more money? Of course, we always do. But I mean, compared to the world, they are, their needs are fully met. They got plenty in retirement. And these baby boomers, as they retire, God's Holy Spirit is getting a hold of them. And some of them are saying, you know what? I want my retirement years to be the most fruitful for the glory of God. And they're doing things for missions they had never dreamed possible before. I pray that for this church. One of the reasons that when I went on that trip to Hong Kong and China and Japan that summer, and I saw the needs of the world, and I began to have my eyes open and my heart expanded, and I said, you know what? Unless my life can have a greater impact on the nations by staying in this country, by staying in this country than by going, I can't justify staying. In light of the needs of the world, if my life cannot have a greater impact on the world by being here, then I can't justify staying. That was just my conclusion with God. And I felt like God laid on my heart to always pastor a church that's located near a university to particularly influence college students for missions. And then he has graced me to write books that have now been translated into four other languages. But we must all look at our lives and say, how am I helping impact the world? So I want to give you some practical ways as we finish this message and then we'll have a little time for questions. First way that we can impact the world is prayer. Literally. Isn't it awesome that through prayer we can impact nations? We can pray for God to send workers. We can pray for believers in Afghanistan right now. We can pray that God gives Muslims dreams, visions of Jesus. And one of the things that I found helpful on this, and I encourage you to to download some of these apps on your phone. These are some that I use that helps me pray. One is called Pray for the UPGs. UPGs are unreached people groups. And so you bring that up and it'll give you unreached people groups. And you learn about them. You're becoming more educated. And then you can begin to pray for them. Another good app is, is, is called the Unreached of the Day by the Joshua Project. Unreached of the Day. And so every day it gives you another group of people that's in that 1040 window or other places that you can pray for. Another good one is called Operation World. These are just great apps that you can use on your smartphone to help you intercede for the nations. And I'm telling you, here's what's going to happen. Let's see, should I use red or black, Bill? Bill, should I use red or black on my balloons? Oh, let's use both, red and black. (laughs) Here's what happens. Oh, it's purple. Here's what happens when you begin to pray and you begin to get your heart engaged in the nations. Your heart goes from this... God begins to expand your heart. God begins to widen your heart. God begins to have your heart beat a little bit more with his heart. And prayer is one way to do that. This is why tomorrow night in our chapel at 7 o'clock, we're going to have a prayer time for the nations as part of our missions week. 7 o'clock tomorrow night in the chapel, just for an hour, interceding for the world. Number two, is to give. You know, Jesus said, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. You ever thought about that? We often think, oh, if my heart's somewhere, then I'm going to give money to that. Well, actually, he said it works the other way. If you want your heart to be here, start giving here. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be. As you give to missions, your heart will go more to missions. I love what Jerry Kaiser often says, that the gospel's free, but ministry takes money. (laughs) It takes money to run this church. It takes money to do missions. It takes money to send people to the nations. And it's sad to say, 
statistic I heard recently, Christians in America spend more money on pet food than world missions. That should grieve us. More money on pet food than reaching the nations with the gospel. This is why we're a tithing church, and I pray that we would start giving more than 10%. I love that we're a tithing church. Beloved, when you give of your finances, you are investing in eternity. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. When you give toward things that are related to the gospel, you're laying up for yourself treasures in heaven because you're going to be rewarded in heaven for that. If you don't believe that, read the book, The Law of Rewards by Randy Alcorn. I love that old song, Thank You. Was it Ray Bolt? Thank you for giving to the Lord. I was a life that was reached or something like that. I don't remember all the words. And then it goes through and talks about the guy who, be, who came to the church as a missionary. And your heart was moved and you began to support him. And, and now in heaven he gets to show you the incredible impact your giving had on the people that he, God used him to reach. Number three, and this is amazing. This one just fires me up. International students. You know, God has brought the brightest and the sharpest right here to America. These are students who know our language and know their language. <laughs> Think about it. They get saved when they come here. They go back to their country. They're a leader. They're an influencer. They're usually in a very high position because they got an education in America. They already know the language. They already know the culture. They already have the contacts. They can go places you and I would never go. We told you that just two weeks ago at the Great Exchange, a student had just gotten here. He'd been here for three days from Nepal. He had literally just come here, been in this country three days. And John Dean shared with him, and he says after he shared the gospel, he says, we need to talk more. He was Hindu. He had many gods. They met again a week later. He prayed to receive Christ. Think about, I mean, Nepal is one of the most unreached places on the planet. And this guy has come to Christ. Let me show you some stats about international students. This is awesome. There are currently 2,700 international students at UGA, representing 122 countries. Now listen to this. In that 1040 window are 66 nations. 36 of those are here at UGA. Did you catch that? There are 66 nations in that 1040 window. There's a lot more people groups. This is just nations. Within each nation can be multiple, can be hundreds of people groups. But there are 66 nations. 36 of those are right here in Athens, right now. What a strategic opportunity we have. Number four, short-term trips. This is where you go for a week or two or three, and I'm telling you when you do it, this is what happens. Your heart goes from this to this because you see firsthand the needs. You see firsthand the culture. You see firsthand what can happen when God's Good news is brought to those places. And let me tell you this. Make sure if you do a short-term trip, and this will be certain if you do one through this church, that you go where there's already a ministry that wants you there. Don't be guilty of that. what's talked about in the book, When Helping Hurts, where people go just because they want to get their little selfie pictures on social media and show how awesome they are. 
You know, a lot of people go on mission trips, and that's really their motive. They want to take these cool pictures and post them on social media, pat themselves on the back and say, oh, I'm a great little missionary, right? Make sure you go where they want you there, where you're going to bless and encourage their ministry, where it's going to continue something that can be ongoing, but short-term trips can be amazing. They have impacted me. I've seen so many people impacted. How many of you have been on any kind of a short-term mission trip? I pray that every person at Living Hope that's physically able will go on a short-term trip sometime in your life. Byron, you've been on how many? 28? And we were talking just a few weeks ago about this and how important it is that you go. I love what Byron does. He goes, and, and he's, a, he's a construction guy. He could build the building for him, but he doesn't. He makes sure that the people that build the building are their people. And he goes and gives that expertise that he has to make sure they build it right. But they're building it. They're owning it. They're employing people in that place. And, it, and it's a building and it's a ministry that they want him there. They've asked him to come. It's building upon what they're already doing. That's when helping helps and not helping hurts. And finally, long-term service. This is where you go for a longer period of time, usually two years or more. This obviously does the most good because you're there long-term. You learn the language, the culture. You develop the relationships where you can see them get saved and discipled and maybe plant churches. So this week, Monday, we have our prayer meeting in the chapel, 7 o'clock. Wednesday night, right here, instead of our connect groups, we're going to be discussing a lot of what's involved in a short-term and a long-term trip, and we'll be asking a lot of questions and hearing from the Russos. And then next Sunday, we're going to hear an amazing interview that Alex Fields has done with the Richardsons. It's very real. It's very raw. It's not romantic. It's not like everything's awesome over here. It really shows the sacrifice and the price they're paying, but yet they know that God has called them. And I'll tell you what, the greater the sacrifice, the greater the reward in heaven. Absolutely convinced of that. So we've talked about why go. We've talked about how to go. Now let's take some questions, and then I'm going to give you a final challenge. Raise your hand or text those in. Two mics right there. Questions, clarification, comments. One of the things that I, I sent a number of people uh, an email this week that I knew had done short-term trips, and I said, what, are, what do you see as some of the benefits of a short-term trip? And I love one of them I got back. I don't remember who it was, but they said, boy, it sure did reduce the amount of complaining I do in America. <laughs> Things I, I used to complain about after going overseas and, and seeing uh, the conditions they live under many times, I realized, oh, I, 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 that's not worth complaining about. And you know, in 1 Timothy 6, it says, those of you who are rich in this present world are to be generous. Most people in America, compared to the world, are rich. Go to that worldwealth.com website. Put in your income. If you're in the poverty, if you're in the poverty in America you're still in about the top 1% in terms of world income. So it just has this way of really putting into perspective what we have in this country. And to whom much is given, much is required.
All right, any questions? Right here. Those that are on our missions team, I certainly welcome you just adding anything you want to add. This is more of a testimony or comment um, <clears throat> as far as the, the heart inflation after doing a, a mission trip, a short term. Um, when I was in high school, I did a short term. It was an Appalachian service project, and we went and worked on people's houses that they couldn't afford the work to be done. And uh, after that trip, it, it, I had that experience, and I remember going to school and just talking about it a lot. And so the evangelical effect that it had and, yeah. and outreach that with all my friends. So and I, I feel like I, I brought people to Christ because of that. Mm. So. It's good. Amen. Yeah. It's more blessed to give than to receive. Jerry has one here, guys. Yeah, David, when I was a church consultant for many years, whenever I ran into a church that had become inward bound and just kind of was dying, the number one thing I try to get them to do is go on a short-term short mission trip because not only did it reach the world, but when they came back, they would explode outward from the church. So it, it kind of catches on even in the, the local church in a big way. Yeah, that's good. It's infectious in a wonderful way. We had some questions in the first service about the, when's the next trip for Living Hope, and obviously COVID has put some some challenges to that, but there is a possibility of one in New York. Is that right, Alex? Somebody had mentioned there might be one in New York that we're looking at doing within an international community. All right, here. I wanted to make a comment about you're talking about the expansion. It's kind of like the lady over there did. Is When I was growing up, I grew up in church my whole life, learned, I always thought missions was a good thing, but I never had that much of a heart to get involved myself until I went on a couple of small-term mission trips, which is I did as an adult, not as a mm. young person. My first mission trip was I was like 40-something. Mm. So, you Never know, it's not late. just for kids. Never too late. <laughs> it's not just for kids. And although I still don't have a heart to go necessarily long-term or whatever, you know, seeing, like you said, the, seeing the comparison between our life here, even though we're by, far from being wealthy, to what even the wealthy people in the community mm. that we've been to a couple of times uh, elsewhere, in, uh, it's like it just opens your eyes to how fortunate we are in this country. And it also opens your heart because I have lot, a much more um, deeper in belief and passion for missions now than I used to, even though I still am not, you know, I'm, I don't have the same heart as my husband does, but I, you know, my heart has opened quite a bit, and now I'm a lot more invested in making sure that pe people, whether it's me or somebody else, do go, and that those people that are on the field have the support that they need, because it is, it, it makes a huge difference. Amen. It's good. Sean? Hey, Dave. Hey, brother. Um, this verse may not make sense, but I'll, I'll connect the dots. Uh, it, it says in the Bible that you have not because you ask not, and when you ask, you ask amiss. And I think a lot of people uh, don't have a heart for, for missions and for the nations because they don't ask. Mm. They, they don't ask the Lord to, like, 
kind of give them that kind of burden. Uh, and if they do ask, I think they maybe don't ask with the right motivation, something mm -hmm. like you said earlier. Mm -hmm. uh, and I can't speak for everybody, obviously, but maybe a lot of people have this feeling that, well, if I ask the Lord what he'll have for me, he'll have me go. <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> and Nothing's if he does, better than being in the center of his will. Absolutely, and that was my point, because he may not have you go, but if he does, I mean, if you trust him with your eternal salvation, your mm. eternal soul, why couldn't you trust him then with anything else he has for you, whether that's staying and supporting from a, yeah. a here perspective or going, if that's what he really has for you? So and there's good. different seasons in our lives, and maybe, to a point you made earlier, maybe now you don't go, but if you keep asking and you keep letting him place that burden on you, maybe one day... He will say, now's the time. I've had things for you to learn along the way. Now I want you to mm, go. And so, so I, it's, it's, I think, having that open heart to just be obedient to whatever he asks for us. Worship team, why don't you come on up? We'll take maybe two more. I just wanted to speak into the whole giving portion of this. Um, I think like, I've experienced that a lot firsthand. Um, I think... Uh, like, you know, as I give, you know, as I start giving to this church more, my heart for this church just grows so much. And when I give to, say, someone, my, a friend doing ministry, my heart for that ministry grows so much. Um, but also the same is true for things of the world. Like, if you buy a $60,000 brand new car, that car becomes your top priority. Um, the same thing with the brand new house or all of the, I guess, pleasures here that we have in America. Um, and so... Yeah, I think giving is like another great place to start, as you said. All right, let's go to prayer. What is God saying to you today? Where does he want to expand your heart? In what ways might you get more involved in the Great Commission. Just take a moment, just really listen to the Lord if He would lay something on your heart that indication of where He wants to expand your heart or have you be more involved in the Great Commission. more important you hear from God today than me. What is he saying to you? Our prayer team would take your spots, please. If you need prayer for any need, go to somebody on that prayer team and let's stand together and respond to what we've heard today.
Though 